With Long Island local news on Wednesday, December 13th, 2023, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. New York's highest court ordered the state to redraw its congressional map yesterday, delivering a ruling that offers Democrats a new weapon to wrest control of the U.S. House from Republicans in 2024. Nicholas Fando is reporting in the New York Times that the decision could have far-reaching implications in reshaping the House battlefield in a key state. New York Democrats are widely expected to use the opening to try to shift Two to six Republican-held swing districts that President Biden won from Long Island to Syracuse. The state constitution still prohibits partisan gerrymandering, but Democrats would need to make only slight alterations to the district lines to improve the party's chances and imperil Republicans' three-seat majority before the campaign season even begins. The 4-3 ruling by the New York State Court of Appeals effectively wiped out the highly competitive districts that helped Republicans flip four seats and seize the House last year. That map had been drawn by a special master after the courts threw out an earlier Democratic map because it ran afoul of state gerrymandering laws. The judges on Tuesday said the map was meant to be temporary and ordered the state to restart a process that would ultimately empower the Democratic-led state ledge to reshape the contours of the state's 26 congressional districts. The Court of Appeals ordered the redistricting commission to promptly reconvene to produce a new proposal by no later than February 28th. In other news, only one member of the Suffolk County Industrial Development Agency board came out to Southhold to hear what residents had to say about $2.7 million in tax breaks the agency is considering for the proposed luxury resort hotel, the Enclaves, on the main road in Southhold at a hearing this past Monday. But if the other members of the board read the minutes from the evening, they'll get an earful of criticism. Beth Young reporting in East End Beacon that in nearly two hours of testimony at Southhold Town Hall on Monday night, all but four people who spoke were opposed to the tax breaks, which include $245,000 in relief from mortgage recording taxes for the financing of the project, $1.8 million in sales tax abatements for materials and equipment, and most relevant locally, property tax abatements that would phase in payment of property taxes, which pay for local schools, governments, fire protection, and EMS services over the next 15 years, which would save the applicant an estimated $700,000 in property taxes over that time, I guess effectively taking it from those other um, entities. The project plans include renovation of an existing house for use as a restaurant that will be open to the public on the 6.75-acre site. The project will also include a 40-room hotel for guest Cottages, another restaurant for hotel guests only, a spa, meeting rooms, lounges, and 100-person capacity event space in nearly 73,000 square feet of new buildings. The total cost is expected to be $44 million. Quote, this project is absolutely completely the wrong project for this government-backed support. That quote from Southhold Planning Board Vice Chair James Rich. He added that of the permanent 51 Jobs developers plan to provide just 11 will be well compensated, with the rest having an average salary of $33,993 per year. Uh, The quote from Mr. Rich, those are poverty level jobs. And finally, Calvary uh, Baptist Church inviting the community to attend and participate in a musical celebration called The Gift on Saturday this Saturday, December 16th at 5 p.m. The church, located at 60 Spinner Lane in East Hampton, vocalists, ensembles, groups, and poets all invited to participate in an evening of bringing peace, love, and unity together for this holiday season. Popular local musician Joe D'Elia will host the Christmas musical. D'Elia has performed with various uh, artists and groups, including Stevie Wonder, who is on the playlist this morning, Chuck Berry, Little Eva, the Eiley Brothers, Phoebe Snow, and Pat Benatar. Delia will accompany Calvary's uh, choir and all who wish to participate on piano and organ. That's at the Calvary Baptist Church in East Hampton this coming Saturday at 5 p.m. For more info, you can visit cbceasthampton.com. 
It looks like I was preparing to read the weather in Springs in honor of Dr. Bob Tiemann, Jocelyn Garcia Jr., and Nick Cooper Sr., uh, but I didn't get there, so I'm going to look it up right now because we've got our peeps in the studio with us. Springs is right, right? That's where I should be getting the weather from. All right, looks like a sunny Wednesday in Springs with a high near 45 degrees. West wind, 11 to 14 miles per hour tonight, mostly clear. With a low around 28 degrees. Wind chill values pretty low between 20 and 25. Northwest wind around 15 miles per hour. Right now, it's 44 degrees. And I did decide to take a stag's leap across the playlist. So you got a bunch of secret tracks you can find on the archived episode of today's show. It goes live on WLIW.org slash radio around noontime. Flying past Marsha Ball, Fleetwood Mac, McZoe, and Echo Smith. I'm going to play Madeline Page and John Mark Nelson. Both bright tracks for the bright guests we have in front of us. I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, this is Madeline Page. And you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. News you can trust. Music you love. I think you and 
Yes, that's uh, John Mark Nelson, Bright from the Hideaway EP uh, of 2022 after Madeline Page's Bright single from 2015 during our uh, record playlist. I put this together in the five minutes before I was going on air this morning and somehow it sounds fantastic and uh, really makes sense. I've saved Lily uh, for Faro's bright single from 2021 because I got a little smackerel of the lyrics, and it's about uh, good teachers. We have one of those right in front of us, the one and only Dr. Bob Tiemann, joining us in the WLIWFM studio for the Wednesday Wisdom segment underwritten by East End Food and LTV Studios. Also joining us uh, from Spring School? East Hampton High School. East Hampton High School. Okay, great. You go from, is that how it works? How does it work? Uh, It depends on where you're from, right? Yes. Okay, so where are you from, Nick Cooper Sr.? I'm from East Hampton. Okay. John Marshall Elementary School and then the East Hampton Middle School to the East Hampton High School. Because you can go from like Montauk, right? The Montauk School, and then you go to East Hampton as well. And where are you from, Jocelyn Garcia Jr.? I'm from Springs. So okay. I'm from Springs School to the East Hampton High so School. So that's, that's who I was reading the weather for this morning. All right, so East Hampton High School. And the both of you have been involved. I want to say thank you, by the way, because the work that you guys have been doing with Dr. Tiemann uh, really... Uh, no, no matter how much press this gets, it's underrated because you guys are doing something actually important to the future of our region. Can you talk a little bit about uh, D- Dr. Tiemann? Do you want to start to talk about the project that both of these students have been involved in? Yeah, and I, I want to put it in context, too, because there's, there's more than just myself and two students working yes, on this. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. Th- this whole project depends on the shellfish hatchery in East Hampton. Uh, under the guidance of Barley Dunn and their staff of Ava, Marissa, Sam, and Jeremy. They do the bulk of the work preparing 
to create an oyster reef. And right. and did they turn you on to to oysters in the first place? Where did it was it was uh, or was it something through like Cornell Cooperative it, or something? It, it was through the, the East Hampton Shellfish Hatchery. Okay, they have the um, um, oyster gardening program, yes. which I got involved in maybe five years ago, growing my own oysters. Which is super cool, okay. and anybody who lives out here can do it and get involved in it if they're not already. Right, and that was a lot of fun. And then talking to Barley, uh, he was also part of a non-for-profit called the um, South Fork Sea Farmers. One of the two entities or uh, projects that you uh, help with at LTV Studios, right? Right, correct. And they asked me to work on their education committee. And that evolved into working with schools and that evolved into, okay, can we build an oyster reef? Right. And that's how it all started. And really with the South Fork Sea Farmers support, uh, both monetarily and, and logistically, and Barley and his crew doing all the work. And then we, again, now we take in the East Hampton um, High School Research Program. All these people combine to get an oyster reef in the water. And, and, let's, and it's a big project. Yeah, let's get, give uh, also a shout out to Mickey's Carding, right? And oh, then God, um, yes. also the organization in the city. Uh, let's uh, talk bil- about the Billion Oyster Project, yes. which is something we're mimicking here on a very small scale by comparison. But Mickey's Carding, this last reef would not have gone in if Mickey's card- Carding hadn't helped us by giving us a truck for the day to go all the way into Governor's Island, pick up 20 yards worth of shell, and bring it back out to Montauk so that myself and the students could uh, shovel it into bags to build a reef. All right, and let's talk a bit about the project why oyster reefs are so important important as well as oysters themselves do you guys want to talk about that a little bit yeah um so i um from what the research i've done oysters are super important in filtering out um, pollutants out of like a body of water right so um a lot of the research that i've done has been driven by the fact that oysters are filter feeders and they're able to filter chemicals like nitrogen and phosphorus which are harmful to like marine life in a body of water, they're able to filter that out of the water um, and um, get nutrients out of it. Uh, secondly, oysters are able to mitigate uh, shoreline erosion. Erosion, right? Um, so basically, which I think they don't get enough credit for. Yeah, it's it's a secondary like goal of implementing an oyster reef, but there's a lot of erosion in Akabonic Harbor. There's a lot of homes that have, like, backyards that have just been washed away yeah. yard by yard every year. And implementing oyster reefs can reduce the power of waves that hit the shoreline. Um, so they instead hit the oyster reef, and that can help reduce shoreline erosion by quite right. a bit in the area where it's implemented. I mean, this is stuff, you know, we look at, like, the the, the water quality this past year and all of the, the very poor scores uh, we've been getting and uh, how loaded with nitrogen and phosphorus our waters are, uh, getting algal blooms and all that not-so-good stuff. And uh, here we have these animals, which were once upon a time a huge industry out here and, and quite plentiful, that are able that are, that do that just on the regular, just because that's how they breathe, really. Uh, it's really a beautiful thing. Jocelyn, why did you decide to get involved uh, with these projects? Um, it all started when I was in my science research class. I knew I wanted to research um, really anything marine biology related. And then my teachers, Dr. Paul Rubito and Dr. Forsberg, recommended me to Bob. And they knew Nick and... Um, Sky, who was also doing this with us, were already in the internship with Bob, so they recommended me for it. And day one, I had to present on oyster reefs, um, which I knew nothing about, but since then, I've really learned from them, and I decided that this is something that I want to continue to follow. We got to talk a little bit about Bob, because having had uh, uh, one very... uh, Beautiful interview with Dr. Tiemann. I know he's a treasure uh, as far as educators are concerned, someone who really gets it uh, and is very passionate about 
kids really learning and uh, learning uh, not just being set up with busy work, but getting out there and and experiencing education. What what has it been like for you, Nick, uh, to work with with Bob? Um, for me, he's really just saved my entire um, experience with science research. When I started, I wanted to do bees, but obviously they sting. I'm scared of bees. Like I had no idea what was happening. Um, and my teacher came to me and was like, hey, there's an internship with Oyster Reefs. Are you like okay with switching your entire project and focusing on like marine biology instead? And I was like, yeah, sign me up. Um, and I just think the whole experience has really been something very special. Like, not only have I been able to do this research and I've presented research at science fairs, but we're getting other opportunities. Um, I'd say this internship has helped my presentational skills tremendously. Because um, you really know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it's not like in school, you know, you're reading off a note card and, um, like, looking up at the board. But when you're presenting in front of a bunch of professionals, like, it's you're doing everything based on, like, your own knowledge um, and it really just tests your skills in front of a group of people. And I think that's a really important lesson that you're going to need to take with you when you meet new people or if you go and pursue um, another form of education after high school. Right. Uh, it's just very, very important. And, and it's so funny because it's it's a perfect uh, – it's perfect as far as the way things are moving now. Uh, for example, love education and et cetera, et cetera. But what is the big problem is that uh, when you go into the the workforce, they're like oh, they're looking for experience. So these 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 chances, these opportunities for you to get your hands, your body, yourself really immersed in the work are invaluable and set you apart completely uh, from candidates. Dr. Tiemann, am I hitting on anything here? Yeah, schoolwork. Any 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 learning experience needs to be real. It it need I mean for some students and these are two very high performing students. Yeah. And their grades matter. Yeah. To them, um, but there are many students who don't see a connection between getting a good grade and their future. Right. Uh, I was one the, of those students. They're they're, t they're being told like for example we were always told that th that was the only thing that mattered and grades absolutely matter, but. It, it, there's more to it. Right. And the more real, the more connected the experience is to what that student perceives as their future at the time, the more likely they are to truly engage intellectually in that project, whatever it may be. So um, where where are we now as far as uh, Oyster Reefs are concerned? You had one in already when we spoke. We just put in the second Oyster Reef, what was it, two weeks two ago? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Two weeks ago. Oh my God! Yes. So tell me everything. Go ahead. Um, it was a different experience from the first one. Um, but how so? So with the first one, we made basically we shoveled like empty bags of uh, empty shell, just like clam shells, um, into like these biodegradable bags that were made of cellulose, and right. then we also had bags of the actual oyster spat, the baby oysters on shell in bags, and we were able to take them and place them down in the reef in a very like organized fashion. With this one, um, I believe some of the bags just degraded and we had a bit because of a problem. Because you with the guys bags. had to wait, right? Yes. Is that why is that like... why the, the the degradation process occurred? Yes. We, we as we gain gain more experience we'll uh we'll leave more room for government approval uh, than than we have in the past. Which, you know, it, it, although it made a little bit more of a mess uh, also, a super important lesson for you guys, right? As far as how bureaucracy, the, the existence of bureaucracy, and how slow uh, government can move sometimes, mm -hmm. and how to adapt as well. I mean, we yeah, got on a boat; more. it was freezing. I believe it was snowing. It was snowing, yeah. yeah. Stop it. <laughs> um, we had our wetsuits on. Some of us, we had waders on. I was taking photographs. Jocelyn was there with the buckets of just like some of the pieces of the bag and like the actual oyster shell and the blank shell. And we were dumping them right off a boat into um, the area that we designated to be the reef. So it was definitely just something completely different, but still a unique experience. And let's talk a little bit about how, how it actually works. So, so you put down the shell, right? Because that is, 
that is the uh, material upon which the the spat the baby the babies uh will attach one day right yeah, yeah. So, so there oh go ahead it's two layers. The bottom one is composed of completely blank shell, right? Um, just so that the oysters on top don't suffocate in the mush or whatever. And then the oh, top layer, I didn't think about that. Right. The top layer is made out of the um, shells with oyster spat with right. the baby oysters, and that way they grow on top, and then the whole reef just grows upward and. To the sides. Just like people, like metaphorically, we are built upon the shoulders of our ancestors. That, I mean, that's what Barley and his crew are doing in the winters. They're yeah. taking blank shell, right. and then they're spawning oysters, and those, the, those larvae are sticking to, setting on these pieces of shell, and we're growing them, and that's the top layer. So right. every shell has 20, 30 small little oysters growing on it, that will become a reef. We're so lucky for people. You done? People like Dunn, people like Kim Tetro mm-hmm. on the North Fork, uh, Cornell Cooperative Extensions Marine uh, Program. Uh, these are the people uh, doing work that's uh, invaluable ecologically in in this time. We were out there for this last reef, and it was cold. And we, Jocelyn and I were in the water the previous day, setting the bags up on the, for the first layer. But Barley and his crew are doing this year round. You know, this, we, to, to us it was like a, you know, like one day experience of yeah, yeah, it was cold, but it was fun. This is their work, right? Every day. Yeah, and thank goodness. Yes, and thank goodness, especially knowing how important this stuff is. Nick, did you want to say something? Um, I just, as Bob said, I'd really like to thank them. Um, this whole process would not be possible without them. Um, I'm, I'm just really grateful for people like Bob and people like Barley, um, as well as Jocelyn, um, for helping me have an impact on the environment. And I think that's what I like most about this internship is how I can see a direct impact on the earth right. with what I'm doing instead of something theoretical. Right, right. And 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 what's next? What's next? So you've got two... You got two reefs in the water. Now what, Jocelyn? So for our science research class, we have to choose a research topic and then perform the experiment and collect results and data. So mine is going to be comparing the filtration rates between our second oyster reef and our first one. Oh, that'll be super interesting. Yes. The difference between those two is that the second one that we put in is a square we had to do oh. that based on, um, based on what the DEC told us about duck blinds, how duck blinds are in the way, and having the reef, the linear reef across the, the shoreline is a hazard to dogs going out to get the ducks. Um, so we had to cut it short into a square instead. That's so interesting, right? <laughs> and it's 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 really interesting to see. Uh, because it, I wouldn't have thought, I wouldn't have thought that that would be what the DEC w- would be interested in. It was, well, it's actually the local trustees. And, oh, and okay. They, they're the ones who regulate the duck blinds. That makes sense. Uh, and it was something that I, of course, didn't anticipate. Um, right. And, and when so it's they something said, you know that the, it, people have been doing uh, for forever. forever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we had to, we had to adapt, as Nick said. We have to keep adapting, which is. If you're working in a school in a, in a science lab, uh, everything's controlled. Right. So, so the the unseen, the un, uh, you know, the, that doesn't happen. The, but the real life application is so important, right. and it's got to be like it's sort of something that's been chief among what you've cared about throughout your career, Dr. Tiemann, Do you mind talking a little bit about about that? About uh, who you've been through your 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 first life or your second life, as it were, because you were a carpenter right. at first. I, I, was, I was a home improvement contractor until I was 35. And, and that, then that's you... when I started teaching uh, in New York City uh, at an alternative school. Thanks to the support of your, your, your partner, right? Yeah. Thank God my wife let me go back to school. Yes. I love it. Yes. Um, and she was making enough money to support both of us. So she was, yeah, it was good. 
<laughs> and then, um, you know, so through through your years, you became, uh, you know, a top level a superintendent. I was assist, uh, assistant superintendent. But it, but in, but what I mean is, uh, you were a top level educator. You know, you had moved up the ranks, but you never lost the uh, really understanding what is important. And I loved when you talked about uh, bureaucracy, and you said, you know. I I I I uh, adapted to getting that stuff out of the way, get the reports done, and not let it take the time and energy away from what's really important, and that's the the kids and uh, what the how they are re- making sure that they're actually learning. That's what schools are supposed to be about, right? Um, and. <laughs> What cracks me up is that I, you know, I retired, and one of the things I was happy to leave behind was the paperwork. Right. And now I'm working with the DEC doing paperwork for <laughs> o- over a year to get an oyster reef put in. But you know. you know how to do it, right? I, so I, it's like I, I, I try to find shortcuts because yeah. it, it is an annoying part of the job. Cumbersome. Yes, cumbersome would be a nice word. So <laughs> uh, all right, I'm gonna play uh, Lily Forfaro's "Bright." Uh, in honor of you, Dr. Tiemann, which, by the way, there's a birthday in your family, Brian Tiemann. It's happy birthday, Brian. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Brian. He is, uh, you know, you, you think of, of people and he's got the same sort of spirit, you know, just like a, oh, what do I, I've heard it said, not just good people, great people. And we're so grateful. He's an the impressive man. People who care. Who give who give a darn, just like Nick Cooper Sr. and Jocelyn Garcia Jr. and all of you listeners out there. We are very lucky to have listeners that really care. And Dr. Bob Tiemann, the one and only. Uh, you ha- also have the South Fork Sea Farmers. They have a program on LTV Studios. Yes. But you also, or do you have a... A show about education? I do. Um, I haven't done on? any episodes uh, since the summer. Um, You've been I'm busy. Kinda, I've been I've been busy, and I'm kind of rethinking that um, what the topic should be. Yeah. So we'll we'll look forward to seeing what is it called? Uh, the East End Education Forum. So y- you can look forward to what the what will come from the East End Education Forum in the future on LTV Studios. South Fork Sea Farmers is what's their show called? Is it just that's that? South Fork Sea Farmers present. Okay. And that's uh, usually environmental um, topics. Um, but our last show was uh, on. We had two renowned chefs on talking about how to cook different seafood oysters. We places. like this. Yes. I fun. do. I do like to eat oysters, <laughs> as well as to support them, uh, helping to support us and cleaning up our waters. Well, think about oysters as a, a source of protein that, that actually helps the environment. Yes. Which is rare. And that is, a, I remember talking to Kim Tetro uh, on the North Fork and, and their program, and he was saying that that's the way they decided to go about it because they, they figured that's the most effective way to get people to cultivate this filter feeder species yeah. is to appeal to their culinary sense. So we're kind of like the walrus and the carpenter a little bit in that way, but with very good intention and, and hopefully better execution every day. I hope that we have more local oyster growers than ever before in coming years, as well as more local oyster reefs, not only filtering our waters, but protecting our land and our beaches from running away from us. Uh, it was an honor having you guys on this morning. I can't thank you enough for being with us. I'm Gianna Volpe. This was the Wednesday Wisdom segment underwritten by East End Food and LTV Studios. Um, that was Bob, Dr. Bob Tiemann, Jocelyn Garcia Jr., and Nick Cooper Sr. This is Lily Forfaro and you, whoever you are out there. You're awesome and you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love on 88.3.
throughout uh, the East End and Coastal Connecticut, 96.9 FM in Central and Western Suffolk County, streaming online to wherever you may be at WLIW.org slash radio. called him bright that meant good that meant right proud he made them proud he had two friends and they These are the Gardner sisters. Slightly stupid and Angela Hunt on deck. Then the Doobie Brothers. Music from all decades and genres. Interviews with folks from all walks of life. All morning and midnight long. 
on Long Island's only NPR radio station. WLIWFM. You make me sing la la la. You make a girl go I'm in love. Did you see that shooting star night? Were you dazzled by the constellation? Did you and Jupiter conspire? Thanks to Patricia Filer, Dr. Bob Tiemann, uh, Jocelyn, and Nick, uh, as well as our underwriters. Uh, that would be East End Food and LTV Studios and all of you listeners, supporters of WLIWFM out there. I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, the, let's see, this is Slightly Stupid featuring Angela Hunt and you, whoever you are out there. You are awesome. And you're listening to WLIWFM, Long Island's only local NPR radio station.
Slightly stupid to the Doobie Brothers. You get a little bit of it all here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. Only getting brighter. This is a brighter day from the Doobie Brothers. 2010 record, World Gone Crazy. On WLIWFM. Yeah. 
Leading you into the NPR News break with Brighter Than the Sun from Rick and Mortar's 2015 record dropped again here on The Heart. Recorded live from the heart of the East End, the WLI-WFM studio in Southampton, New York. That was our show, my friends. Stay with us. I'm brighter than the sun, but I can't wait. You're asking me to-